Morning, everybody. How are you doing? My name is Tim. If we haven't had the chance to meet, I'm one of the pastors here. I get to spend most of my time with our amazing college and young adult community. Um, I'm going to begin with a question. What does God's call sound like in your life right now? What does the calling of God sound like in your life right now? I've read that in the open wilderness of Israel, a shepherd walks slowly ahead of his sheep and he plays like his own custom 10-second tune on a pipe or his own unique song that he calls out to his sheep. And the sheep, they, they, they know it. The sheep, they're attracted to it and they like to follow it because they learn that when they hear the sound of their shepherd's call, they're being summoned by their shepherd. And the, and the sound of the call is the way to safety. The sound of the call is the way to pasture and abundance. The sound of the call is the way to still water. It is the way to rest. It is a beckoning towards a place of flourishing. And in the same way, God calls people. He calls us. Jesus even refers to himself as the good shepherd. In uh, verses like John 10, verse 3, he says, The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. We are in the middle of a series right now that we uh, are calling Established, and we're talking about the nine elements of our church, Cornerstone Boulder, uh, that we are built on. And these describe our, our values, they describe our mission that we are pursuing together as a church. And so over the last few weeks, we've been working through all nine of these, and so far we've, we've taught on the element of encounter and the element of transformation the element of confluence and creativity. And today, I'm going to be speaking to you guys about vocation. You know, often when we think about this word vocation, usually our mind jumps straight towards like our careers, our jobs, the thing that we're working at, which it's all very much related. But truthfully, vocation is less about how to make a living and more about how to live. It's more about discovering purpose than it is receiving a paycheck. You see, the word vocation actually comes from the Latin word vocari, which means call. And so your vocation, your calling is actually, while related, it's not really exactly the same thing as your career or your occupation. Some people find opportunity to express their calling through their career, but that's not always the case for everybody. Your vocation is actually much bigger than the jobs and the titles that you carry, right? So you might, you might leave your career, you might lose your career, but you can never lose your vocation because vocation is something that's actually given to you by God. And so I'm going to talk a little bit more about this in just a moment, but I just want to start by, by sort of just reclaiming the word vocation and placing it back into its proper uh, biblical and theological context. And so we'll begin with a definition. Let's, let's describe what is vocation exactly coming from this context. And so we'll put this up on the screen here for you. Vocation involves hearing and responding to the voice of God, which uniquely calls each of us to live purposeful lives that serve the world in all kinds of ways. 
To put it more simply, vocation is your life lived in response to God's call. You hear from God, you respond to God, and that's living out your vocation. And so with that in mind, it it begs the question, all right, well, what is God calling me to do? And I don't know about you, but this is a question that has actually brought me into a cold sweat because I don't want to miss it. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't want to miss God's will for my life, and I don't want to do it wrong. And throughout my life, I have struggled with wanting to do things, like, absolutely perfectly. I want to do things right. In every class that I've ever been in as a child and as an adult, every job that I've ever had, I just want to know what you expect of me so at least I know if I'm doing a good job or not. Anybody with me on that? It's just like, tell me what I'm supposed to do. And then I might do it good, or at least I have some sort of measure there. And this, this like mentality, it has in many ways transferred and seeped into my spiritual life over the years, where I've anxiously wondered, God, what does God want me to do? Am I doing the right thing with my life right now? How do I know if God's called me to this? What if I get it wrong? Can I, can I screw it up? God, am I doing a good job? And if that's you in any way, shape, or form, this morning my hope is to ease that tension a little bit for you and to provide some clarity on how to discern and hear God's calling in your life. But honestly, above all else, what I really want to do, my hope this morning, is to invite you into an open an honest and intimate conversation with Jesus about your life. And in doing so, I think you'll find that it's less like talking to a judge who's just criticizing and condemning your life choices, and it's more like talking to a loving father who's for you, who believes in you, who sees remarkable potential in you because he put it there and who, is all, who, who has a way of helping you discover greater beauty and purpose and meaning in your life. And so to help us approach this question, what is God calling me to do? What is my vocation in life? I want to talk about the, the different ways that God's calling can show up in your life. And my prayer is that in understanding this, it will enable you to live with greater intentionality. It will enable you to live with greater purpose and focus in each stage of your life. Because let me tell you something, if you are living and you're breathing, you have a calling in your life. I don't care how old you are, what you've been through, what stage you're at, what, you, what season you're in. God's calling is present in your life. And so really, there are, there are three main ways that God's calling can show up in our life. And there's some variation between these three, but three main kinds of calls that will show up in your life. And I want to walk through these with you guys this morning. The first kind of calling that will show up in your life is, is what's called a general call. And it's called this because it's God's call for all of us. But don't let the name general mislead you because it is profoundly personal. It's the call of Isaiah 43.1 that says, But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, 
He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. It is the call of Romans 1.6 that says, You who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. In the words of our Messiah, come, follow me. Your first and your highest vocation is to simply belong to God. It is the invitation to follow him. It is the invitation to come sit in his presence and be in relationship with him. Now, it's important to know that this calling, you know, it's not just like a one-time event. It's not simply like, okay, Jesus called me to, to, to follow him. Boom, now I'm saved. Now let's get on to the big stuff. All right, let's tell me, tell me what special project, what special thing do you have me, do you want me to do? Let, let's get on with it. Truthfully, uh, there remains a, continually, a continual calling for us to come and rest in Jesus. When we're talking about this, I can't help but think about a story about two sisters named Mary and Martha. And I think it beautifully illustrates this idea. Mary and Martha had both responded to the call of Jesus to follow him. And on one occasion, they hosted Jesus in their home for some dinner. And here's what scripture says about that night in Luke 10, 38-42. It says that a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary's chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. The story says that Martha was distracted with much serving. And we get the impression that Martha just really wanted to do something extra special for Jesus, which led to some elaborate planning, a lot of preparation, a bunch of hustle. And I just want to like pause right there and ask the question, what's so wrong with that? I mean, what, what, what's so wrong? What's so bad about working hard to please Jesus and to impress him? All right? Isn't this, isn't this what we all want? Isn't this what we want to do? Isn't, isn't this what we talk about so often in church? Like, man, let's serve. Let's volunteer. Let's start ministries. Let's join the mission. Let's do some stuff for the Lord. In fact, if we take a closer look at these words, much serving for a second, this word comes from the Greek word diakonia. And diakonia is the word that we get deacon from or ministry from. So that night, Martha was doing much ministry for Jesus. And honestly, she seems to me like the kind of person that we might celebrate in church culture these days. The model volunteer. The one starting new ministries and Bible studies at every turn. The first one to sign up. The one we can always count on being there and saying yes. But there's a clue here in this story that tells us that despite all this good work, despite all this good activity, there was something a little off in Martha's heart that night. The story says, Jesus says that she was distracted 
Again, if we take a closer look at the original Greek language in the New Testament, the word distracted comes from the word perispeo, which literally means to be drawn or pulled away. And here's what this is telling us, is that Martha was actually pulled away from Jesus because of all the ministry, because of all the serving, because of all the hustling, because of all the things she was trying to do for him, because of all the doing, because she was so intent on doing good things for Jesus, she was losing sight of her most important calling, which was just to sit with Jesus, to rest in his presence, to listen to his voice. Martha, you are anxious and you're troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. There are many things in this life that are important. There are many things, many good things that you can do for God. There are many vocations that are honorable, that are important, that matter. But there is only one calling out of them all that is absolutely necessary, and that is to stay intimately connected with Jesus. To make time to listen to his voice, to rest in him with no other agenda except to enjoy him. There have been seasons in my life where I've experienced some anxiety, some frustration over the fact that I didn't know what big thing God wanted me to be doing. And I felt too much guilt to not do a bunch of things, so I just like jumped in and got super busy for God and filled my time with a million little activities that I figured he'd like. And there have been other seasons in my life where I have been just super burnt out because of all that doing. I'm exhausted, but again, I, I feel too guilty to stop doing. I can't slow down. I shouldn't stop. And there are certainly seasons, you guys, where God, he calls us into activity. And we're, we're going to talk about this in just a moment. But there are also times where this call to belong to God, to, this call to sit in his presence and rest in your identity as his child, where that just needs to be enough for you right now. It is this calling that empowers all the others in our life. To put it another way, it is the vocation of discipleship that will inform all other vocations of life. Have you heard God calling? The second kind of calling that will show up in your life is not just the general calling for all of us, but is a specific calling for you. It's a unique call for a unique purpose. And this is what often comes to mind when maybe we hear somebody talking about how they felt this call to start a church. They felt called to move to this place. They felt called to start an organization for that cause. They felt called into a certain occupation. They felt called to come alongside people to help, to teach, to counsel. I'm here talking to you today because 16 years ago, God kind of started to stir up in me a call to step into pastoral ministry. 
You see, God, he calls people to himself, and then God also calls people to play an active role in his kingdom and in this world. You see, we are more than bystanders to God's work in the world, and we are more than mere empty vessels and warm bodies that God channels his power through. An honest reading of scripture will reveal story after story of God choosing to partner with us. We see it in the very beginning with Adam. He creates, he's got the Garden of Eden. He puts Adam in the middle of the garden to work it and to keep it, meaning to care for it, to cultivate it. And then he does this. He takes all of his newly created animals and he decides he's going to send them to Adam so that Adam can name them all. He's, he's inviting Adam to participate in his work of creation. We see it in the work of Noah when God gave him plans for the ark. We see it with Joseph when God revealed how to prepare for a devastating famine. We see it with Moses when God gave him instructions for how to address Pharaoh. And when he told him to, to, to stretch out his staff and his arms to divide the sea. We see it throughout the New Testament where the apostles called themselves co-workers with God in spreading the gospel. And in fact, there's one occasion where Paul says, in talking about spreading the gospel, he said that I planted the seed in your hearts. My ministry partner, Apollos, he watered it, and it was God who made it grow. It was sort of a team effort thing. Your vocation is about actively participating in God's purposes in this world because He's calling us to be co-workers and co-creators in his redemption and in his restoration and in his renewal. And let me tell you something. When you sit in this, when you sit in this truth and really think about what that means, it is, it is a humbling thing to realize that no matter how skilled or unskilled no matter how worthy or unworthy I feel in each stage of my life, God wants even me to help fulfill his purposes. And you might wonder, well, why would he want to do that? Why would God want to include me and partner with me. I mean, surely he doesn't, like, need me. I mean, isn't he, like, the almighty and all of that? Like, isn't he, like, super all-powerful and everything? But here's why. And listen, your life matters to God. God takes you seriously. Like, the things you do make a difference to him. What you do has actual meaning in his eyes. You matter. And so with that in mind, the lingering question is, well, how do you, how do you know? Okay, God likes to call people. He wants to call people. How do I know if he's calling me to do something specific, unique? In his book, Courage and Calling, Gordon T. Smith, he shares four really helpful questions for uh, reflecting on it and trying to discern and determine your unique calling. And uh, just a fair warning here, I'd love to spend a ton of time unpacking all four of these questions today, but the truth is that we could build an entire seminar just around these. And so I'm going to touch on them rather quickly, but this is what, I, this is what I've done. 
just because I don't feel like it's fair to just like give you a little bit and be like, well, what am I supposed to do with that? So what I've done is I've actually put together something uh, th that'll help you unpack the uh, these questions, reflect on these questions further this week. And so what we're going to do is we're going to put on the screen here uh, a phone number, and you can text today the word vocation to this phone number, and you're going to get a text back with, uh, so, with these four questions along with some scripture and along with some other great reflections to help you sit in this and pray through these. And this is like the only time ever that I would ask somebody or invite somebody to text during one of my messages, but if you do it, that's great because it's here for you, and we'll have it up here for just a few minutes. And so the four questions, the first one is this, what are your capacities and constraints? What are your capacities and constraints? Romans 12, 6 says that in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. God places various strengths in your life to do things well. He provides you a, a capacity to accomplish certain things. He, he provides you a capacity to hold a certain weight of responsibility in your life. And by the way, I prefer this word capacity because it gives us this picture that your capacity can actually expand over time. Right? So there might be some things in your life that you really want to do. You have a desire to do it. You really want to do it. And God might say, yes, but not yet. We'll get there, but you need to trust beyond this. We need to wait for your capacity to expand. And it's also important to know that just because you have to work at something in order to be good at it, it doesn't mean that it's not from God. Sometimes we think that, oh, a God-given strength or capacity means that I'm just like have this natural prodigy-like ability to do something. No, that's not how it always works, at least not in my life. Because I think that God knows that, man, I need the character building, I need to develop the discipline of spending a lot of time on something. So when it comes time to walk in my calling, I can hold it and I can handle it. Your capacity, it expands, it grows over time. We also have constraints. I don't particularly like the word weaknesses because I think it sometimes can like carry this idea of like something's wrong with me. But the truth is, is that we do have God-given constraints and limitations, and I see them as sort of like divine boundaries that God gives us so that we can stay focused on the appropriate things, that he wants us to be focused and stay set on the, the plans and the purposes that he's laying out before me, not what he's laid out before somebody else. What are your capacities and your constraints? The second question is, what are your deep joys? What brings you deep joy? What fills you with passion? Timothy Keller, who is an amazing author, pastor of a church in New York City, he was once asked how he knew he was called to start the church in New York City. Was it like a clear sign from God? Did you have a lot of peace about it? And he was like, no. But he did have a deep passion for it that he believed was put in him by God. And he explained that God's calling for him to do that and to start that church looked like the intersection between that God-given passion and opportunity. 
He had this deep joy that he believed God put in him and the opportunities opened up for him to actually use it and express it. This is what we see from the prophet Jeremiah and his calling. He said, God's word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. Right? Is there something in you that you just can't contain, something that makes you feel alive when you just think about it or when you practice it? The third question to consider is, where do you feel the brokenness of the world? This isn't to say that you don't care about other things. This isn't to say that uh, you don't think other things matter, but there may be some things in this world that you feel quite heavily. There may be some things in this world, some injustices, that when you hear about it, it, it not only moves you, but it like just stays with you, you know? You just can't shake it. Perhaps it's something that keeps you up at night. You see, we each see and feel the world's needs differently, and that's not an accident. And it's important to pay attention to. Because God is, is, is actively working to bring his redemption and his renewal and his healing and his justice into the broken places of this world. And he's calling us to partner with him in that, to rise up and to step into it with him. And the fourth question is this, what is your personality and temperament? You are a very different person than the human being sitting next to you this morning. And so that the way that you will navigate and react to the various challenges of life, the various callings of life, they'll be different. For one person, a task can bring crippling stress and fear, and for the next, exhilaration. One person may find something fulfilling and enjoyable, while another will find it miserable and emotionally taxing. One thing will, will feel life-giving to a person, and another person will do the very same thing, and it'll feel life-depleting. Each of us is fearfully and wonderfully made by God. You are uniquely made by God. And so you should not only celebrate that, but be aware of that when you are praying about and considering your God-given vocation. God calls us to different things. He equips us in specific ways. And he invites each of us to live out a particular story. And I would encourage you guys this week to prayerfully reflect on these questions this week. In that thing that you'll get a text back, there's a lot more questions to help you kind of like sit in it and unpack it. I'd encourage you to pray through those. I would even encourage you to take out a friend, a trusted friend that you know, knows you well. And not only to share your own thoughts about these questions, but even ask them, hey, what do you notice about me? How, how would you answer these questions for my life? What have you picked up that maybe I'm not seeing? So we have a general call in our life. We have a specific call in your life. And lastly, God's calling shows up as an immediate call. There is an immediate call in your life. This is the call to faithfully respond 
to the demands of your daily life. This is what it means when we read Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, where it says, Whatever you do, whatever it is, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You see, there is nothing in your life that God doesn't care about. There's nothing too ordinary, there's nothing too mundane to be a holy calling to bring God glory and to serve the people around you. And God actually cares just as much about your heart and your posture at home or at work or in the classroom as he does as your heart and your, and your posture in prayer and in worship and in church. This is a calling to reframe all aspects of our life as spiritual activities, as opportunities to enjoy and reflect God's goodness. Those moments of driving your kids from one place to another all day long, cooking dinner for your family, the coworker or classmate, or the employee that asks for your help, the business strategy that you're in charge of shaping, the coffees and the lunches that you have with your friends, the quiet moments that you have to read, to run, to hike, to bike, to climb, to swim, the brief moment just to stop and to take in the sounds of God's creation and to feel the warm breeze on your back, the opportunity to make eye contact and eke out a smile to the stranger or the homeless person that you're walking by. These are all sacred activities. Each and every one can be an offering to God, an opportunity to serve the good of his creation. And the seemingly normal and simple and daily tasks of our lives are opportunities to tend to the creation that God has made, to join him in caring for the world, and to enjoy his goodness and his blessing. And you know, it's tempting to spend a lot of our energy just waiting and looking for some big heroic purpose that God is calling us to, the real stuff. But honestly, some of God's Biggest work through us comes from our steady faithfulness in the small, ordinary, and simple activities of life. But it is, it's tempting. It's tempting to, to elevate our specific call, our unique call to this place of greatest priority, even if it means, you know, kind of turning away and neglecting the other important things in our life. Because we see this, oh, this is the important one. This is the real work of God over here. And that's why we see things like when, when the Apostle Paul, he's, he's talking to some, some, uh, some men who are called to be new leaders and overseers and elders in the early church. And this is what he says to them in 1 Timothy 3, 2-5. through 5. He says, now the overseer, the elder of this church, needs to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, 
temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. And get this, he says, he must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. He must do so in a manner worthy of full respect because if anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? Did you catch what he's saying here? Like the whole point is, is part of what qualifies him to step into his specific calling was his faithfulness to his immediate calling. Right? You may be called to lead the church, but it doesn't mean you can neglect your daily calling to be a good husband or a good dad or the continual calling to just take care of yourself, your body, your heart, your mind, your relationships, to faithfully steward your job, your money, you see, God, he wants there to be congruence between our callings, to be faithful in each one. Not only can you not just abandon your immediate calling for your unique calling, but how faithful you are with the seemingly ordinary and daily aspects of your life, it can actually impact whether or not God will entrust you with something above and beyond. Jesus himself said that one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. So what is God calling you to in this season of your life? What does it sound like? I think now more than ever, it's important for us to take this question seriously, to spend time listening to the Holy Spirit, do our best to steward the calling that He is speaking into our lives right now, as simple as it may be or as scary as it may sound. And here's why, okay? Because nearly every single day when I read or listen to the news, or when I open my feed on social media, I am slammed with so many loud voices calling me to champion all sorts of causes and movements and initiatives and issues. On any given day, I'm being called to pick up my sword and go to war over all kinds of things. Things like COVID-19, racism, immigration, climate change, abortion, LGBTQ discrimination, unemployment, poverty, economic recovery, gun violence, domestic terrorism, international terrorism, Afghanistan, white supremacy, sexism, government reform, police brutality, mental health problems, human trafficking, my children's education, the state of the church, fracking in Boulder County, private issues on the internet and healthcare inequality, just to name a few of the things that slide into my newsfeed and into my social media feed every single day. Each one loaded with voices and comments and commentary calling me to take up the fight now. Join the battle. You are called and we want you. You guys, this is stressing me out. And frankly, I think it's stressing a lot of people out. And you know what? I have a hunch that this has at least a small part to play in the mental health crisis we are seeing in our country today. Especially amongst young people because we are constantly being told that the burden of all things is on me. 
I'm responsible for this one. It rests on me. And that we need to go to war over every single cause and that if we're not actively doing something about this and this and this and this and don't forget about that, then we aren't doing enough and we're letting everyone down. You're letting God down. You guys, this makes absolutely no sense. It's not healthy. And what's more, it's not biblical. Because you see, the fact of the matter is, is I'm not God. I'm not all powerful. I'm not all present. I do not have the capacity or the knowledge or the resources or even the time to give to all the things. But it's okay because I don't have to. And you see, I'm not saying that all the things don't matter. I'm not saying that you shouldn't care about all the things, but I am saying that it is not God's intent to call you to champion all the things. You can, stare, you, can still, you, you, you can still care without a calling. You can still pray for it without going to war for it. Does that make sense? God is calling us to focus on the things that he has set before us, to follow his calling for our life, not the calling of an activist, or voices on social media, or some online mob. And Jesus, of course, is our greatest model for how to listen for and respond to God's calling, rather than to be pressured into what others are calling us to. I'm just going to share one more quick story with you before I conclude this morning. There's this amazing story in the book of Mark chapter 1, and Jesus, he, he spends the entire day preaching and teaching, healing people, casting out demons. People are coming to him by the droves or dropping off the, the ill and the sick and the disabled. And people were, in the words of Mark chapter 1, astonished at this Jesus and what he was saying and the things that he was doing. And, and they wanted more of it. Jesus, he was tapping into something here now. And he was, he was filling a real need, a real deep need. And I just imagine how excited his disciples were at this point. This is early in his public ministry. Can you imagine the excitement? I mean, this is the stuff that movements are born out of. It's the Messiah. He's here. Let's do this. But at the very next morning... This is what happens. Chapter 1, verse 35 through 38, it says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus left. And he went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for Jesus, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. What are you doing? Where'd you go? And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Everyone's looking for you. We've all decided you need to stay. The ministry's here. There's more to do here. The need is here. There's people here who need to hear your message. They need to be healed. They need to be delivered. There's still a long line. But Jesus knew where he belonged in that moment alone with his father and not with the needs of the people. And honestly, the day before, my guest took a lot out of him. Yes, he was fully God, but he's also fully human. 
He understood that he needed to rest in his father. He needed time to just sit with him. And and sometimes that meant saying no to the call and demands of the people around him. And for you, you may hear the voices and the expectations of you, the clamoring to get out there and do some important stuff. But you may be like, man, I'm exhausted. I'm in a season right now where I'm feeling beat down. I'm running on empty. I'm overwhelmed. And for you, it may be that resting at the feet of Jesus just needs to be enough right now. Just to respond to the call of Jesus that says, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I want to give you full permission to do that in your life right now. Guilt-free. Because that's what God is about. Worship team, you guys can come up. Everyone's looking for you. I love what Jesus says. He says, well, I guess it's time to go. I've got to go. I must move on. I must preach to other places for that is why I am here. That is what I am called to. You see, Jesus understood that fulfilling his calling meant staying focused not being pushed and pulled by public opinion and pressure and the expectations of other people. And we need to ask ourselves, man, whose calling am I being asked to live out? Whose script am I trying to live out right now? Whose story am I following? What do I need to say no to so that I can say yes to what God is stirring in me in this stage, in this season of my life? So that I can steward the gifts and the opportunities that he's given me right now. Or so that I can be present to just like the simple joys and responsibilities that are laid out before me. Let's take a moment. Let's close our eyes. And let's ask the Lord. God, what does your call sound like in my life right now? It might sound a little different depending on my season. What you have for me. And God, this morning I'm reminded by the prayer of Jesus towards the end of his ministry where he he prays to you and he says, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. We bring you glory, God, when we stay focused to the story you have written for us. When we simply hear your voice and obediently respond to that. Lord, may we learn to listen. God, may we hear your voice. And Lord, would you help us faithfully respond to it? Father, I pray that you would help us live with the same kind of focus and discipline and intentionality as Jesus. Even if that just means intentionally sitting down and resting 
in his name and in his word and in his voice, even if it means just being intentional about being present to the simple, ordinary things of my life with my kids, with my animals, with my job, in your creation. God, I pray that you would free us from the guilt and pressure to live out someone else's story for us, someone else's calling for us, but to be faithful to the story that you, Lord, have given us. Lord, I pray that your voice would cut through all the rest and give us courage to follow it. Pray these things in Jesus' name.